0: Broadcasting live from Business Radio X Studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Learning Insights, featuring learning professionals, improving performance to drive business results.
1: Welcome to another exciting and informative edition of Learning Insights. Stone Peyton Lee Cantor here with you this afternoon. Lee, this is going to be a fantastic segment. Please join me in welcoming to the broadcast Chief Learning Officer and Co-Founder with New Paths. Mr. Andy Petrosky, how are you, sir?
0: I'm uh, doing well.
1: Well, Andy, before
2: we get too far into things, tell us about New Paths. How are you serving folks?
0: So, New Paths is a company that was co founded uh, by Harrisburg University as a college alternative for providing people with short term training uh, for entry into the IT field as part of addressing the IT skills gap. So, we provide uh, very specific training based around IT certifications and developing IT skills in a hands-on immersive learning environment that gets folks into the IT field without a college degree.
2: How did that partnership evolve? Like, who came first? Did they come to you with this challenge, or you came to them with a solution?
0: Well, uh, the university, of which I've been uh, affiliated for about 10 years now and also still play a role in was looking at the landscape and and looking at a need for this beyond the graduates that they graduate in four-year degrees and other colleges graduate in two-year and four-year degrees. There's still a huge number of IT jobs that go unfilled and a huge IT skills gap. So they really were looking at this as a way to, um, you know, build something that was uh, different and unique uh, as uh, part of uh, filling that need and part of being a – supporter and really a solution provider for workforce development in the Harrisburg and central PA area as well as you know throughout the throughout the nation so uh, together we worked on on building out uh, our framework and curriculum which also includes uh, credits from the university so even though new pass is a college alternative uh, students still do uh, earn college credits as part of uh, uh, participating in the program and uh, they can transfer those credits into Harrisburg University or any other uh, you know, college that will accept those credits as transfer credits. So, we still recognize the need uh, for college degrees, and certainly on a career path and career trajectory, uh, that college degree is important, but it's not critical and it's not needed anymore uh, to get into an entry level IT job.
2: And the way that your uh, service works, it's all virtual and online?
0: No, ac- actually, we have programs on site in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and we do have a program in a distance learning format. We also, uh, our technical support specialist program is in a distance learning format, which is a flex model blended format uh, where students have the option to come into the classroom. Uh, And then we also uh, just received a grant to build out uh, two additional programs in that format, our security operations center analyst program and our network technician program. Uh, in the midst of the current pandemic, um, we have transitioned all of our classroom sessions into virtual classroom sessions, and then our flex model for the distance learning program has also all of the sessions are online in virtual classroom sessions.
2: Now, um, when you're onboarding a new instructor, are these people that you train like from scratch who are used to doing face-to-face instructing to the using and leveraging the virtual?
0: It's a, it's a mixture of, of, uh, of uh, both, and in any case, it's always good to have a refresher and have some, you know, base guidelines to, to work from. So, yeah, we are familiar with and do work with instructors who have never taught in that, uh, in that environment before.
2: Now, what are some of the, for people who are doing this for the first time, is there any kind of uh, tips or tactics that you recommend in order to be effective virtually as opposed to, you know, some things you can get away with in person that you can't get away with virtually?
0: Yeah, I mean, it is about the technology in a virtual classroom platform as the foundation of it. So it's definitely about planning time for technology orientation or technology testing and learner orientation. So, you know, if this is something new that learners have not uh, participated in before or instructors haven't participated in before, you know, doing an online orientation before any of the training begins is something that can be very helpful uh, it allows everyone to kind of test out the technology, test out the environment, get familiar with it, maybe do a small exercise and take the time to do that versus trying to jam that into the very beginning of uh, a live training session that has a you know certain specific objectives and a certain timeline associated with it um, because the technology can be something that, that, that is uh, different for folks and, and can take a little time to set up. It's not uh, difficult by any means, but that's certainly a component of it. The technology has to work first uh, before you can, you can move into a good design. Uh, around organizing the event, it's always good to have a producer for the event, especially if you have a new group of learners and it's a larger group, over 10 people, I would say have someone who serves as a producer for the event, someone who can help manage the technical issues for the participants, Uh, also help manage the chat. Um, It's also good to uh, have uh, audio muting as a default for users uh, in most cases, especially, again, large groups, so that background noises and feedback and all of that doesn't become an issue. In most platforms, uh, uh, attendees can test their audio prior to entering the session, so they should be able to test whether they can hear through their mic and speak through their microphone uh, before they enter the session. So doing a test uh, in the session uh, is, is not necessarily in most cases. And again, that could be something that could be done in an orientation session. Uh, and then it's also good, it's always good to coach presenters and participants around how to manage their video if uh, if, if video is going to be used. And it does create uh, a certain sense of connection between all the participants versus staring at your computer screen and just, you know, staring at a picture or an icon and hearing someone talk. Uh, but, you know, there's background elements to video. It is live. It's real. So you want to make sure you're in a, a space that works well for, for video, especially your background. And it's, it's a, a space where there's not a lot of bad background activity or things that are going to distract people. Uh, and as well, video eats up a lot of bandwidth. So, you know, if there are issues with the audio quality, uh, even if you're using uh, video to kind of uh, create that connection and make that introduction, you can always have people stop using the video at a certain point to free up that bandwidth and, and allow for better audio quality. So those are some things around kind of setup and technology and planning. Uh, when you think about the design of a program, it's very important to think about doing the same things that you might do in a classroom to keep people engaged from the standpoint of your voice, your inflection, even your hand gestures will come across in your voice uh, in, uh, in the, the, the virtual classroom format and environment. So, you know, potentially standing and kind of mimicking being in front of a class and using your hand gestures and using your, you know, dynamic presentation as a, as a, as a great classroom trainer, uh, you should try to transfer that into the virtual classroom as much as you can. It's also important. Uh, ultimately it's a visual medium uh, because people are staring at their, you know, at their screen uh, as part of the, you know, being a part of this session, And so it's important to change visuals often. So if you have uh, something that you might do on one slide or two slides in a classroom session, you might want to build that visual over, you know, over four or five slides and have the slide change and the visual change a little bit. I would recommend not using uh, bullets at all in in a virtual classroom unless it's to really summarize or intro something and make very specific points. I would use very short uh, bullet points, uh, again, uh, just to keep people's interest. A lot of the same things that you might do uh, in, a, in, a, in a classroom setting as well. And part of the, all of that uh, just goes into practicing the presentation ahead of time as well and making sure that you're on point and on time and, you know, succinct and really have a well-planned out uh, way that you're going to, uh, you know, manage the session from the presentation standpoint. And interaction is key.
1: Yeah,
2: I was going to ask you about that. Is it possible to kind of break the group into mini groups and have them work on something and then kind of regather and maybe split them up again? And so that way they kind of mix and match and create engagement amongst their other learners?
0: Absolutely, yeah. So, um, you know, all of the things I've mentioned previously kind of set the foundation for. Uh, really what what is, you know, the true engagement that can happen in a virtual classroom. So most platforms have a breakout room, uh, you know, like you've described. So the collaboration between uh, learners and attendees does not need to be lost in a virtual classroom session. And, you know, there, there are uh, things they can do on whiteboards and in the chat and even in shared documents in Google Docs uh, or something like that or, uh, or SharePoint uh, where they can, you know, collaborate on a document together uh, as part of that breakout. And that would be one of the techniques that I think is uh, not as apparent in the virtual classrooms is thinking about using activities outside the virtual classroom to enhance the interaction. So, There's there's nothing that says your entire virtual classroom training session has to be everyone staring at their screen. Uh, You can create an activity where they may go off and, you know, work on their own for 15, 20 minutes on creating a a summary, creating a plan, creating a diagram that's based around some of the uh, concepts and objectives of the session. Or they may work in those breakout rooms and groups and then come back into the session. The, the important thing there is to make sure people are aware of timing and to set very specific guidelines on when they're supposed to return to the session. And then you can do debrief. So you could have people email you what they've done. You can have them post what they've done. Uh, you can have them share their screen and show other people what they've done. And then you can talk about the pros and the and the you know the, give positive and constructive feedback on those elements of what they've created. And everyone's kind of learning from each other. Uh, in that type of environment. And it's very engaging versus just watching, uh, watching a lot of screens change or listening to someone uh, speak the entire time.
2: Sounds like that um, we're kind of on the upward trajectory in terms of leveraging the technology, that maybe when this started the virtual learning, it was somebody just, you know, one-to-many type of uh, a monologue of the instructor to the learners. But now with the advent of more and more robust technology and more and more bandwidth, uh, we're able to really leverage the technology to, in some cases, you're getting a better experience virtually than you would in person. Do you think that's so?
0: Well, that's, that's a, a generalization, uh, certainly that could apply, certainly not across the board, you know, from a learner's perspective, and it really does take planning and design, but you do, versus a classroom, where you as a learner are part of a group that's in front of the instructor, and yeah, you can raise your hand, or you can you know, comment out loud. There are many people who don't um, feel comfortable doing that in a classroom or maybe need a little bit more time to think about something before um, responding. And And the virtual classroom can allow everyone to participate. So, you know, through polls, there's a lot of things um, built into the platforms uh, from polling, attendee indicators like raise hand, check marks, um, you know, yes, no signals. Uh, Certainly the chat is another way people can participate. So it allows really a a larger number of people to participate in ways they may not be comfortable uh, doing in the virtual classroom. And if it's designed in well, uh, those ways of participating are additional to often what's, uh, you know, what's in the virtual classroom where that participation sometimes is just the the Q&A and the person who feels comfortable answering the questions or the one who uh you know uh, doesn't doesn't mind um you know uh, participating out loud in in the classroom session with other people around them and uh you know um just being worried about how they're being perceived the uh, virtual classroom eliminates a lot of those kind of uh, personal interaction barriers from the standpoint of it uh limiting the way people interact and respond
2: what challenges do you have on um helping the instructor get the most out of the technology and getting the most out of the platform when they transition from in-person training to uh, this kind of virtual?
0: Well, you know, it's, it's different for each person. Some people will transition uh, much, much better than others depending on how they're doing their classroom sessions. So, you know, there's a, there's a, a, a saying or an adage in, in training and education that's focused on, Students becoming more active in the learning and more a part of the learning environment. And that's that that adage is uh, moving from being a sage on the stage to a guide on the side. So the virtual classroom environment <laughs> definitely is much more robust for the learners if the instructor is a guide on the side and is really the, 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 the person who is again setting the foundation, setting the context, but engaging the learners in activities and planning and collaboration and thinking about, you know, how they're going to um, use these concepts in their work, in their daily life, uh, whatever the case may be. So if it's an instructor, you know, who is used to getting up and, you know, doing 15 minutes of lecture or 20 minutes of lecture and then a five-minute activity and, you know, then back to lecture, it's a lot more challenging than for someone who really is already Putting a lot of the activity and a lot of the, um, uh, you know, focus of the training in the learner's hands. It's really about the technology too. So you know, there's people that transition better to the technology than others, but the platforms again are fairly easy to use, or they often provide a lot of support materials and training materials. So um, that's probably the easier part of getting people up to speed, if even if they're not familiar with the technology, than the change in their training design and delivery.
2: What about from the learner standpoint, uh, the different generations that are kind of being uh, trained nowadays? uh, The digital natives, I would think, kind of would embrace this a lot uh, quicker and faster and easier maybe than somebody who isn't a digital native. Is is there different kind of strategies when dealing with an older crowd? Um, I
0: I think that is more addressed during the during the orientation. I think the the difference would be that the you know younger uh, and and again those are generalizations that I try not to use. But certainly um, you know I've seen younger people who have a really difficult time transitioning into these types of environments, and then you know people more who are more experienced who who really adapt to it and and end up loving it more than than the face to face. So. Uh, It really, you know, I I don't know that age has has a huge impact, but certainly I think younger people are more uh, used to using technology in every situation and certainly uh, more used to diving in and clicking around. And if they end up logging out accidentally or closing a window accidentally, they just log back in where, you know, older uh, and more experienced people tend to maybe uh, not be as uh, you know, just free form with their mouse clicks and and exploring and experimenting. Um, so I think that orientation piece and as much preparation for people up front is helpful for everyone because uh, as I've found and, you know, as we've, as really everyone has found in most cases, just because young, uh, younger people use technology all the time and use it a lot for communication, it doesn't mean they know how to use it for, for learning and for interacting collaboratively in a professional environment. So uh, you know, their, their potential to jump into the technology is greater, but to know how to use it correctly is is not necessarily.
2: Now, let's talk for a bit about New Paths. Um, you're co-founded by Harrisburg University. Is that something that's exclusive to Harrisburg or is this something you're trying to roll out into other places around the country?
0: Yeah, we're uh, looking to, to roll this out uh, throughout other uh, other places throughout the country we have a variety of different partners that we've we've talked with so uh, we're a young company established in 2018 and uh, always looking for uh, new partnerships. Uh, the state of Pennsylvania and Harrisburg University have been great partners but certainly uh, we we are uh, you know looking at, at other options including or other partners including, Um, You know, a uh, apprenticeship partner company who is nationwide and and an approved apprenticeship provider in a number of states uh, who we're partnered with in Pennsylvania and, uh, you know, looking to to move to other regions as well as other um, employer and uh, industry partners who uh, we'd love to collaborate and connect with.
2: Now, what's the pain that those organizations are facing that new paths is the solution for?
0: Well, in, in a lot of cases, it's, it's upskilling. Uh, many of the um, uh, companies today are dealing with uh, older workers who may be working in even still mainframe environments or maybe working in an IT role that is becoming obsolete. And so taking, you know, rather than those, uh, you know, having to, to lay those people off or um, you know, train them into other areas where maybe there's not as great a, a job demand uh, as there is in IT, and IT is so critical to, to daily operations. Uh, you know, you can take that uh, culture and company fit uh, with that individual and, and upskill them into a more in-demand, more viable IT position. Uh, and that includes IT security, which is a huge area of need for for a lot of companies. And really, the foundation for IT security skills comes from the help desk and from, you know, basic uh, desktop support uh, and those types of skills and that type of technology, as well as network technician skills, network support skills, uh, really can be upskilled with some IT security training uh, into, you know, really critical IT security job roles. And so those are some of the solutions that we can provide uh, to companies who are looking to, you know, upskill their employees. And certainly as well, um, You know, the whole reason for establishing the business was to fill that IT skills gap. So we're always looking for employer partners who are looking for good IT talent, uh, looking for entry level technicians who can really meet a need and fill a very specific job role for their IT organization.
2: Now, are you working with um, like high school level, like, uh, you know, maybe people who chose not to go to college that they can get involved and take some of these um, classes as well?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, that is our uh, primary audience is, uh, you know, we we do require that students have a high school uh, degree to enroll in the program. So right out of high school graduates, uh, career changers, uh, you know, um, people who are uh, career transitioning, uh, whether that's underemployed or unemployed. Uh, So we have a variety of of, um, uh, different types of people coming from different types of backgrounds. But certainly we have everyone from we actually have a, a, a seven, now 17-year-old uh, in one of our programs who, uh, not necessarily to come into our program that he did this, but he dropped out of high school and got his GED and, you know, was looking for what he could do next. He really didn't want to go to college, and so uh, he actually has uh, been a very high performer in our Security Operations Center Analyst Program, including... Uh, one of our students who just recently passed the CompTIA Security Plus exam, which is a highly coveted IT security exam, entry-level IT security exam. Uh, so every 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 story from that to a 55-year-old who uh, has been working in in manual labor or manual trades and and really is looking to transition into uh, something that is less uh, you know difficult on the body and 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 certainly. Um, you know, present some more uh, career opportunities. So, it really runs the gamut. Uh, and we also do actually partner with uh, high schools as well to bring our programs into the high school, and we offer those as part of the high school day. So, for those programs, we're working with high school seniors. We run the same programs uh, for the most part uh, during the full high school year versus our six-month uh, programs for uh, adult learners.
2: Now, um... So this solves kind of both ends of the continuum right you're helping the companies upskill but also give them availability to talent and then you're helping the talent find place jobs when they're done with this is that
0: Yes Yep absolutely to- yeah we just had a we just had a great uh, employer event uh for one of our cohorts in Harrisburg where we had Uh, about nine employers who came in, networked with the students, did an introduction to their company, and then did speed interviews. And, uh, you know, we we were just reviewing some of the employer feedback. And uh, to an employer, you know, there's uh, students up and down the the feedback list who they're going to follow up with for additional interviews and for uh, job opportunities and really great feedback, uh, you know, from the employers about the students. And so... That's just one component of what we do with the students for uh, that career preparation. As we were um, planning and really developing these programs, they, the feedback from employers was that the technical skills are very important, obviously, um, but more importantly, and you hear this up and down uh, the education, uh, you know, spectrum of, of education opportunities from high school to college uh, and even in um you know professional development is that soft skills and business skills are just as important and in some cases more important so you know communication critical thinking uh email etiquette uh you know all of those things around communicating and working with others in a workplace are are as important as the technical skills so we've built in uh business skills training uh, as well into the curriculum so students do 18 hours uh 6 hour workshops at a time in between A few of the classes. So we try to establish that as something that's an ongoing kind of lifelong learning uh, concepts and and, uh, you know, goals for the students. So we actually integrate that business skills throughout the program at different stages to kind of set the stage as something that they're going to continue to do, you know, after they leave the program, as well as preparing them uh, for entry into that first job.
1: If you're just now joining us, you're listening to Learning Insights, brought to you by our friends at Training Pros. Today we're visiting with Chief Learning Officer and Co Founder with New Paths, Mr. Andy Petrosky. Andy Stone here. I've been listening into the conversation and I am fascinated with the mission and purpose of New Paths. And it occurs to me that there really are so many viable career opportunities once a person has this foundation that they gain through new paths. I know we've had quite a few experts and lay people who are concerned about the topic of cybersecurity. I suspect that there are people coming through your institution who are well prepared for a a career in cybersecurity and um, probably some other kind of tech support uh, roles. Is, Is that accurate?
0: Absolutely, yeah. Uh, one of our programs and one of our pathways is cybersecurity. Uh, one of our programs is a security operations center analyst program uh, that prepares people to be an IT security uh, technician. As well, a lot of IT security happens at the network, uh, you know, and, and the network uh, points uh, along the network. And we have a network technician program. Uh, and as uh, many IT security uh, people know, a lot of the breaches are also based off of human error Uh, You know, clicking Mm -hmm. on phishing emails and giving your password away and all of that. And so we also have a technical support specialist program um, where people are providing that uh, desktop level support uh, to help people, you know, uh, with their IT security needs and IT security decisions at the individual user and desktop uh, space. So any more, uh, any IT program has an element of security uh, to it, an element of security fundamentals. But, yes, we have uh, that specific program, uh, the IT Security Analyst, the uh, op, uh, Security Operations Center Analyst program uh, that focuses uh, specifically on that.
2: Now, are you finding a lot of the um, your clients and maybe people out there in general are less concerned in some of these specific fast-moving areas for a college degree in that specific uh, learning? And then they just want someone who can get the job done. And a lot of the times... These focused uh, certificates are are good enough for a lot of employers.
0: Yeah, I mean that's the climate uh, that really uh, set the stage for for new paths being a solution for uh, employers and for people who are looking to get into the IT field without a lot of uh, a lot of prior experience. Uh, certainly, there are a lot of great uh, IT potential IT employees coming out of degree programs, but there's there's not enough. Uh, And those degree programs uh, tend to be very broad focused. So it does set the stage for a career in IT, but not necessarily for you to perform a specific job in IT. Uh, And so, you know, that's what we're focused on. So, yeah, uh, employers are definitely changing the way they look at um, uh, degrees as a uh, a requirement for uh, a lot of the IT jobs and especially the IT technician jobs. And uh, the certifications have always been a component of the IT industry. So for IT, you know, moving to certifications as uh, more of a indicator of skill set or at least at the same or similar level as a college degree is not that large of a leap. Uh, Many uh, people in IT management today kind of started in other careers and, and other directions and really got into IT, even though they have a bachelor's degree in something else or a Uh, an advanced degree in something else, they got into IT by getting certifications and kind of learning on their own and learning with mentors. And we provide, um, you know, that, uh, that learning for people who don't uh, learn on their own or don't know how to learn on their own for IT or don't have mentors to, uh, you know, guide them through those uh, those, those certifications and building those entry-level skills.
2: Now, what would you say to that person that would like, um, to make that change or maybe consider this, but they're afraid that they're, you know, they just aren't smart enough for this. It's too difficult. Uh, like, how would you kind of coach them up to say, you know what, you could probably do this if you put your mind to it?
0: Well, I mean, that's you know, I, I would I would give them examples of students that have done that uh, exactly as you say. If you put your mind to it and you put the work in uh, and you concentrate on this as something uh, that you're going to dedicate yourself to for six months, uh, you'll you'll uh, achieve your goals as a result of of doing this work. And so that is the you know that is a, a component of it. I mean, moving into an IT career. Without any prior IT experience in six months, it's an intense experience and it does require students to, um, you know, dedicate themselves to, uh, you know, putting the time in inside and outside of class, you know, doing the, the labs and the hands on work and in groups uh, inside the class as well as, you know, doing extra things outside of class that will help them prepare. And we found the students that do that no matter their background are, are successful. Um, Our courses are scheduled for our adult learners on Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursday evenings from 6 to 9 p.m. Our distance learning program, those live sessions are uh, on the same schedule, except for they're only an hour and evening on those evenings. Uh, A lot of the other work is done uh, online uh, asynchronously. Uh, So, you know, there's that schedule, which is intense over six months, uh, but then also the work outside of class that that is important. Uh, But we have found that students that do that are successful as a result.
2: And then they might be at their home doing the, the classes, but they're not alone, right? There's still ways to interact with their other students and with the instructors.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, through certainly the virtual classroom sessions, we also have a learning management system like many uh, you know, uh, organizations and many colleges and universities where course materials are posted and there's discussion boards and other ways of connecting with um, their fellow students and also the instructors. Uh, we also provide a lot of support materials uh, for these students who don't have any prior uh, IT experience. So every course includes an ebook with a lot of um, uh, support materials around that ebook. We also provide practice exams for the certification exam prep. In many cases, there are also those online learning, uh, in some cases, adaptive learning materials that the students can use uh, to, you know, uh, build their skill set, build their knowledge base, and also prepare uh, for those uh, for those certification exams. And we've also implemented, in some cases, you know, tutoring sessions that are outside of the class sessions for students who want some additional guidance and support. So we're definitely very student-centric and student support-focused uh, uh, in, in the New Path program.
2: Now, you mentioned it might be an intense six months, but uh, this is something that could change the trajectory of your career.
0: Absolutely. I mean, it puts you on a whole new career path. It puts you on a whole new earnings path. I mean, another element of, you know, kind of the foundation or the reason for this program is to provide, you know, family sustaining wages uh, for people and opportunities to pursue family sustaining wages for people. Uh, And so, you know, there's great career opportunities and and also, you know, really, uh, really great uh, income opportunities for uh, students coming out of a training program like this with the certification exams and the certifications.
2: Now, Andy, what do you need more of right now? Do you need more um, kind of partners? Do you need more uh, students? Do you need more instructors? What do you need more of?
0: Yes. (laughs) <laughs> so um we have we have uh we have uh witnessed and, and experienced tremendous growth and like I said we've had great partners in Harrisburg University, great partners in our partner school districts and also um you know through grants through the state of Pennsylvania have been very fortunate in the growth that we've we found. We have other, you know, business partnerships that are both uh, regional and national that are underway. Um but really, you know, continuing that momentum and continuing Uh, looking at uh, ways that we can, uh, you know, meet that pipeline gap and and meet all the goals that I've talked about, both for the individuals who are changing their career into IT as well as for the organizations who need that talent. Uh, We're looking to connect with folks uh, anywhere, you know, from guest speakers through, you know, job opportunities, teachers, internships, coming to hiring events, virtual or physical, Uh, and uh, we also look for curriculum feedback and review from those employer partners. Uh, and then certainly uh, yeah, getting the word out uh, that these are uh, this is an opportunity for people who either don't want to or can't go to college, whether that's time or and or money. Uh, and then also for people who are looking to change a career uh, and maybe either their career of choice wasn't quite what they thought it would be or they've been in that career for a while and now are looking for something a little different.
2: So if somebody wanted to learn more and get a hold of you, uh, is there a website?
0: There is. Everyone can visit uh, www.newpaths.org, N-U-P-A-T-H-S.org.
2: Good stuff. Well, Andy, thank you so much for sharing your story today. Thank you. All right. This is Lee Cantor for Stone Patent. We will see you all next time on Learning Insights.